go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll get to getting into the Word of God together. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your Word, because your Word is awesome. Your Word is life. And God, really, it's not just the Word we hear, but the Word we apply that really brings about the victory and the transformation and the blessings in our lives. So God, over everyone in this room right now, and everybody help me pray this right now, everyone watching online, Lord, help us to be the people who obey your word, not just hear it, but people who will do what your word says, and then we can receive the blessing from the obedience in our lives. So we pray for our brothers and sisters in this room, our brothers and sisters that are watching live or watching at some point in the future, that they themselves will not just be hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. Thank you, God. That this word, especially this word here tonight, is meant to be a blessing to our families and to our, our work environments and to our relationships, but most definitely to our spiritual walk. Open up our eyes tonight to see. Open up our ears tonight to hear. Open up our hearts tonight to receive and get the glory. Father, I pray for uh, everyone who needs healing tonight, uh, and, uh, specifically healing tonight. Uh, over uh, people in this room, people watching online, we release the healing power of God. We would pray right now that the, the power that is in the name of Jesus bring about the healing you need, and we pray that by his stripes you receive that healing tonight. Be healed, child of God. And uh, For those who, again, we are, that don't even know we're praying for them now, God, let them just sense a miraculous touch from heaven, uh, just bringing about in their own physical body healing tonight. We praise you, Lord. You are good, and we call us all done in Jesus' name. Oh, and bless our VBS this weekend. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. A lot happening and uh, exciting times here. So thank you for joining us. Again, if you're in the room and you do, I do ask a lot of questions at the Bible studies. I don't want you to feel like this is a sermon because it's not. So please uh, walk up to that microphone and talk so the people uh, at home can hear what you're saying. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen. Uh, to those who are online, I can actually see your comments uh, as long as it doesn't keep doing the circle thing on me, right? Loading. Um, I might be able to see your comments, so please feel free to post uh, as we're kind of sharing the Word of God here tonight, and that way I can acknowledge you and make you feel like you're part of the conversation. So Ephesians chapter 6, for the most part, I'm using the New Living Translation, um, and so parents are going to love this first part right here. Y'all ready for this? Ephesians 6 verse 1 says this, children, Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. But this is the right thing to do. Can I get an amen from a mom and a dad in the house? Amen. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment. I love this part here. With a promise. And we actually went over this verse not long ago uh, with our, our three youngest children. We made sure we sat down and we talked about this. And you know, it was one of those conversations that happened where you're just like, okay, I think I know where this is going, dad. I was like, but you don't. So listen to the whole thing. Uh, and it says this, if you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you. Here's the promise. And you will have a long life on the earth. So things will go well. You'll have a long life on the earth. Fathers, and here was the part that my children weren't expecting me to touch on, but I did. Verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Okay, so uh, without even a show of hands, everyone in this room and everyone watching online, everyone has or has had a parent. Okay, you need a mom and a dad. That's just how it works. We've all had them. Um, anybody in the room, just, just quickly, just want to maybe tell us about your experience in, in honoring uh, your parents? Any, what, what was that like for you to, to honor your mom and dad? 
Anyone got any, any comments all about that? Or were you all just a bunch of rebels and, and didn't do that at all? <laughs> any experiences we can share, I guess, about honoring mom and dad? Yeah, I guess we've got to kind of look at, right? Can we share this? Well, if you're online, please let, let me know about any experience you've had in honoring your father and mother. Because I guess my, my follow-up question is this. I have, and Pastor Olga can verify this, I've always tried to live an honorable life towards my parents. Um, because when I look at this verse, it says, honor your father and your mother. At what age does that end? Rather, at, w- at what age do we can, can we just kind of cut up and say, I don't, I don't need to honor my parents anymore? Brad in the house, ladies and gentlemen. I got Brad in the house. Hello. Hello, Kelly. How you doing? But, uh, um, at, what, at what age do we stop honoring mom and dad? Never. Okay, never, never. Any other thoughts on that? Like 30, 25, 18? I don't know. For, for some teenagers, 12, right? 13? I don't, I don't see a cutoff date here in terms of honor. Now, that doesn't mean that they are necessarily always worthy of my time, my attention, um, the, but honor. It's an ongoing thing, I believe, uh, and I believe we reap what we sow. So if we will sow honor in our relationship with our parents, I believe we will reap it in the form of our children later on. Amen. And then, so if some of you are dealing with, with hell on earth with your children right now, then maybe, just maybe, uh, it might speak to how you treat your parents. But yes, Sister Nancy. Please. Um, I was a really, I was raised by both my parents, so I am a mother and father, but I'm not just that. I also became a Christian and knew the right thing to do, but it was the privilege to take care of my mom and honor her. Amen. And thank you for that example, even. Those of us who aren't raised in church, we didn't know what does that mean, but then once we learn what that means, we start applying that honor. And then later on in life, you were able to take care of your mother and, and honor her in that way, honor her life in that way. Amen. Yes, sir. Uh, to kind of piggyback off of what Sister Nancy said, it, it says, honor your father and mother. It doesn't say honor your father and mother if they're good to you or bad to you. Uh, right. You know, it doesn't stipulate regardless, you know, honor your father and mother regardless. There's Michael, everybody. Yeah. Good or bad. <laughs> just you might like have to just walk this bike around, sir. Just like with street. authorities, respect authorities, whether good or bad, respect authorities. So regardless of how they treated you, yeah. the, what you're saying ultimately is the, the intention of the scripture, the onus of the scripture falls back on me. Yeah. That it, the honor comes from me, not that they've been honorable, mm-hmm. but that I am honoring. Okay. Thank you for that, sir, because that's really the truth of that. We might just have to walk the mic around so that, uh, again, the people online can hear because I've Got at least 10 people watching live right now, so we want to make sure they're hearing what you're saying as well. So, so I guess you raise your hand, Pastor Olga, you don't mind walking around? We'll, we'll make sure that, <laughs> that we can get the mic in your face. All right. Um, so kind of uh, in, in that same vein here, verse 4 is what I kind of had to talk to my children about a little bit. Okay, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. So the original Greek here, I just wanted everyone to know this, is not a one-time thing. Like I did something to make my child mad at me. No, that's, that's not the, the meaning of the, of the Greek here. The Greek... Uh, the original implication of this word is actually, I am constantly, long-term, causing problems for my children and provoking them to, to anger, provoking them to rebellion, provoking them to be buttheads. Okay? That's not, not what we're trying to do. The scriptures make it clear. Time to time, I know I'm going to say things and do things my children don't like. I'm going to say and do things that might provoke them in some way. But I'm trying to provoke them towards godliness and discipline, not just make them upset constantly. So... Um, in that end, I guess to the parents in the room or the, the eventual parents in the room, Mackenzie was, I don't know, if earlier I felt like people were trying to call out some, of, some future parenthood for you and Brock, but, um, <laughs> but uh, 
in, in what ways might a, a parent provoke their child? And I mean provoke as in not like make them upset, but constantly provoke them to anger. In what ways might, what might that look like in terms of maybe you, some of you have experiences with your mom and dad that's constantly were pushing your buttons, provoking you to, to live a life that you were always upset? Um, in what ways might that be? Yeah, go ahead, talk, talk to us, Michael. Please, sir, yeah. Uh, so, you know, um, I constantly got in trouble as a kid. And um, in getting in trouble, I got in more trouble from, you know, doing my little attitude and things. Like, okay, like check out the garbage, you know. I give him an attitude. Okay, when, you, when you're done with that, I got something more for you to do. Uh-huh. And I give him another attitude. When, you got something, when you're done with that, I got something else for you to do. You know, for, to me, I, I, I felt like that was, he just kept on, you know, adding to the fire. Got it. Yes, sir. Pastor Roy, you want to speak to that too? Oh, thank you. Pastor always let me know the on- online comments here. Uh, hey, and there's, there's my father, Pastor Jeffrey Becker. Hope he, hope he didn't provoke me to anger. Hello. So, so Pastor, Pastor Jeffrey Becker, to that end, I will leave that between you and I and God. No, <laughs> I plead the fifth, Dad. I plead the fifth. No, no in, all, in all honesty, my father did provoke me at times to anger, but he also provoked me to righteousness. And for that, I am grateful. In fact, I'll give you a, a quick story. We were talking about this the other day. Um, my father was the kind that applied scripture. Oh, it got really dark in here all of a sudden. I don't know why that was. Uh, but we can fix it. Just press the button, I think. Uh, and we, hopefully it'll come back on. Sorry, everybody. Uh, I, we're, this, tonight is not about hell. Everyone, okay? Uh, I don't know what happened, but this is not what we're doing. Thank you, Michael. Okay. Oh, hey, and let there be all sorts of light now all of a sudden. Jesus, that got really bright. Yeah. Um, so my father, when I was uh, eight years old, I had the situation where um, we were outside. Remember those little, little kiddie pools that everyone used to have, you know, the little plastic kiddie pools? We had a family that was living with it at the time, and they weren't necessarily Christians, but what they would do is they would tell my sister, who was, I was eight, so she would have been five, they would tell her to say things she shouldn't say, right? In particular, there was a guy across the street, uh, I think he was like a, a comment worker or something, heavy set guy, I mean like big boy. And every time he would bend over, you would see more than you, anticip- than you, than you wanted to, okay? Anyway... Because of that, the, these, this family that lived with us, uh, they were about my age, but they were encouraging my five-year-old sister to, hey, fat A, okay, kind of thing. Like, say these kind of things. And so she would, we would jump up out of the water, she would call them some kind of names, and then we'd all duck down and just laugh. Ha <laughs> ha, it was hilarious, right? I promise you I didn't say a word. I did not say a word. I just laughed. Well, unbeknownst to us, my father is sitting upstairs watching all this happen, okay? And so he let it go on for probably a good three to five minutes, and then finally, after, I don't know how many times we said it, all of a sudden he comes busting through the front door, okay, letting us know, get upstairs now. Oh, crap. So we all knew we were in trouble, okay. I thought I was just going to get in trouble because, you know, of what my sister was saying. and figured if anyone's going to get spanked, it's going to be the, those who told her to say it and her for saying it. Well, my dad pulled me aside, and I will never forget this to this day. I was eight years old, and he let me know, I'm going to spank you the hardest because you sat there and didn't do anything about it. Not because you did anything wrong, but because you were a leader and you didn't do anything about it. So if anything, my dad at that age provoked me to righteousness, to leadership. At that age, I began to realize I don't just make decisions in a vacuum. It doesn't just affect me. It affects others. And I want to lead people towards godliness. I want to lead people towards righteousness. So you might think, well, that's, that's child abuse and that's wrong. But I'm thankful that my dad opened up my eyes to my actions. That it, it, it's bigger than just me. And so, dad, thank you for that, that uh, provocation to... Uh, holiness. I didn't like it at the time, <laughs> and, and I was managing at the time, but I felt like it, it, it also opened up my eyes to the bigger reality going on. So I was provoked uh, to godliness. 
uh, moving forward from that. But uh, any, other, any other thoughts on that in terms of uh, just in what ways maybe as, you, as a parent have you found yourself provoking your children prayerfully to, to something right and godly, but maybe, unfortunately, not? Any, any other comments on that at all? Yes. Kelly, good evening. Talk to me. So in our household coming up, we yelled a lot. So I noticed that it got passed down to, to me as an adult. So as I'm yelling a lot, I noticed in, I, I wouldn't say the younger kids because things are getting better, but I noticed it in Malia that she would yell. And like, even like at her friends, like if her friends would come over, like she would get, didn't have the patience and would just like yell. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's my fault. Like that's Preach. me. And it's my fault. Like, so yeah. Amen. So Pastor Olga was not a yeller until she married me. And then all of a sudden <laughs> she became a yeller. That's just what we do. Uh, Danette is on here. Kelly just saying, I never provoked my children. <laughs> a big never. Hallelujah. Well, that's not what we just heard. So, <laughs> but yes, absolutely. How do we, we pass these things on? Right? What, what we've learned, and until we learn to break generational curses or generational ignorance, we, we might not even realize we're provoking our children to jealousy or provoking them to bad attitudes or provoking them to bad habits, uh, ultimately because we ourselves are not fully surrendered to God. But that's why Paul concludes here, rather, let's bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So I'm not just trying to make my child a good citizen. I'm trying to make my child a good disciple of the Lord. That's really what it what we are ultimately gaining from this, this passage here. And I think if anything, my father did this well for us as children, is that he wanted us to understand just the basic doctrines of our faith. And so if you are, no matter what your kids' age are, are now, I, I would encourage you to, uh, to read the Bible with them, to ask, to talk about what you read with them. My father would have us, uh, we would memorize scriptures. And so he'd give us one scripture and, and, and we'd memorize it throughout the week. You know, we'd keep it on the refrigerator and we'd talk about it. Uh, and it helped get the word in my heart. And I think ultimately, if you, maybe you're past the stage of, of children, but your grandchildren, you know, passing this on to them, this love for the word onto them, and teach them these basic doctrines of, of our faith, what it means to, to walk with God, to know God. So, amen. Let's continue on, though, because this next part is uh, kind of hits hard. And, uh, and let's read what it says here. Verse 5 says this. It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep, here it is, Respect and fear. I already feel like verse 5 is the very first word turned people off. <laughs> but slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve the Lord. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As, here it is, as slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each of us for the good we do whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. Let's pause there for just a moment, okay? So the situation that Paul's addressing here, slavery, is not the same slavery that we, we know in American history. It's not even modern-day uh, sex trafficking. Hey, American slavery we know just from our own history. It was really based on, it was primarily racial, and it was lifelong. We know that. But in Paul's day, it wasn't always racial, and it wasn't always lifelong. Um, it was estimated that even in this letter Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, 
it was estimated that one-third of the population of Ephesus was slaves. And they, and, or they were slaves. And so uh, I want you to consider this because when we look at this portion of Scripture, why, why is it so difficult for modern Christians to, to read this and be okay with it? Any thoughts on this? All? When, you, when you read this, does it make you kind of cringe? Does it make you go, like, what the heck? And why as modern Christians do we, do we look at this and we're just kind of like, can we just gloss over this? Can we act like this, this doesn't exist? Any thoughts on that at all? Yes, Ms. Vitti. We see through the lens of American yeah. history, uh, yeah. slavery as we know, yes. Yeah, okay. our perception, it's, and that's the problem when we read God's word and we read, read it through the understanding that we have Absolutely. of things, then we see it through that lens. But I think um, in this case, like you're talking, the kind of slavery may be temporal, like some people would have debts. Yes. And they had to work for masters for a period of time. But Correct. on the year of Jubilee, they would be set free. Correct. <laughs> Ms. Vitti is, so Ms. Vitti is preaching right now, okay? I don't even realize what she's doing. What she's telling us is that, at least in Judaism, you didn't have to remain a slave, okay? That you, you could all, you, if you had to sell yourself into slavery to pay off certain debts, you didn't have to, it didn't have to remain that way. You could work your way out of it. And if you weren't able to fully work your way out of it. There was what is known as the year of Jubilee. You might remember years ago, I talked about the Shemitah year, okay, that uh, Hebrew term. And that idea of simply every seventh Shemitah or every 49th into the 50th year was a year of Jubilee. And so you were no longer indebted to anything. You got everything you lost back. It was God's way of, of not keeping us as indentured servants forever. And that idea would ultimately come, we know this in the new covenant, I was once a slave to sin, but then Jesus became my, ju- my year of Jubilee, the year of God's favor, and set me free from sin. And so, yes, absolutely. We look at this passage and it just, we use the lens of, of American history and we're just like, I don't even want to read this. I don't want to see this. And if we know anything about American history even, slave, ma- uh, slave owners would use this verses 5, 6, 7 on their slaves, but they wouldn't go any further. They wouldn't, re- they wouldn't read verse 8 and especially verse 9, okay? Because can you, can you imagine if you, are, if you are reading this for the first time, you're a slave owner and you read verse 9 for the first time, okay? Masters, treat your slaves in the same way, okay? In the same way. That means, that means try to please them. That means oh, oh, obey them with respect and fear or serve them as you would serve the Lord, Okay? Uh, remember what you're doing, you will be rewarded from the Lord. Can you imagine a slave master saying, treat your slaves the same exact way? Now, the knock on this is that why didn't Paul just call for the abolition of slavery? Why didn't he say this, this should end? And there are those detractors, those haters of the word that, are say, that say they look at this and they're like, well, Scripture doesn't call for an end to slavery. But, but I want you to know this if you actually read everything that Paul ever wrote in 1 Corinthians 7 one time, he actually encouraged slaves, if you can get free, get free. If there's a way for you to find your freedom, get your freedom. And so I just want to say to those who maybe never consider the whole of Scripture, that while Paul doesn't necessarily call for the end of slavery, what these verses did right here is it set up. It really, what it, it set up the abolitionists. And those who ultimately would, would want to bring about an end to the abuses and the degradation of slavery in and of itself. And so uh, most abolitionists were Christian. 
Okay? And they got their understanding of equality from Scripture, realizing that we should not treat fellow human beings in this way. We should have respect for one another. We should serve one another. We should, we should as much as we can, do everything we can to help one another. And this is, again, I, I realize as an American, it becomes hard to, to, to take this in and read this, um, especially because there, Paul doesn't say, there should be no more slavery. He recognized the, the generation, the time period he lived in, and simply said, Start treating each other like equals then. Start treating each other uh, in a way that honors Christ then. And I believe in the end, we were able to see these verses. And and men of God, women of God said, this kind of abuse, this kind of system should no longer exist. And and it still happens around the world. I mean, can we be honest? Okay, we, we, we know that there's slavery happening all around the world still to this day. Human trafficking is happening to this day. And, and really... That's the difference between those who degrade and torture and dehumanize people. They have no Christian ideal, uh, no Christian teaching to tell them this is how you should treat those that you own. And so thank God that ultimately the the Christians of, of more modern times saw this and said, let's just put an end to this altogether. Let's treat each other the way we want to be treated. Amen? Yeah. So, sorry, I didn't mean to get off on, on that tangent there, but we look at this and we're just kind of like, ugh. Okay, so how does this apply maybe to us? Because most of us have no connection to slavery whatsoever. So, how does it apply to us? Okay. Instead of maybe looking at this as though a, a slave and a master, how about you and your boss? <laughs> how, about, how about you and a police officer? How about you and a politician? Or, or you, dare I say, you and a parent or you and a pastor? Someone that might have some kind of authority in your life. Uh, my, my question, I guess, would, would be put like this, especially those of us who are in authority. Uh, how do these verses dictate the way we treat people? Okay? Um, if someone holds authority over our life, what do we see from these verses that, that, that now drives the way we treat other people that have to submit to us in some way? Any thoughts on that at all? You look at these verses, you're just like, hmm, uh, I'm a boss, I'm a, I'm a parent. Uh, I'm a police officer. I'm a, uh, I'm a pastor. So what do we see in these verses that ultimately tell us, man, I, gotta, I, I have to watch how I treat those around me. Any thoughts on that at all? Yes, sir, please, Brad. Talk to me, sir. Well, I'm going to talk from an employee boss, you know, perspective. Yep. I'm going to give an example for like today. You know, I woke up good, you know, giving proud praise to God, and I get to work, and you could just feel the tension in the air, you know, so, and you know, I just kill them with kindness, you know, and let them see the, the Jesus in me and let them see my, my righteousness. And, you know, that's how they should be treated. You know, how they should, that's how they should treat other people. So I want them to see the goodness in me so that they can reflect back onto them and they can tr- treat others, you know, how they're Amen. supposed to be treated. Amen, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Well said, sir. Thank you for that. Amen. Any other thoughts on that? Uh, to do all things of love. Amen. I'm, seeing, I'm just looking online here. Uh, God is in charge. Amen. Amen. Um, uh, Just because we're in a position of authority, we still need to have respect for others. Absolutely. So, Pastor Rocco, please, yeah. I think that just speaks to verse 7 where it says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. And I think that's just our reflection of who we are. Like like he said, um, Brad said earlier, just showing the Jesus in you. And so I think that that's what that speaks to. So many times we go to work and we're like, upset or frustrated or think that we're doing it onto our bosses. But I think if we take the perspective we're doing it onto the Lord, then it changes our perspective completely. Amen. 
Pastor Olga, stay on the mic for just a second longer, because we didn't even touch on the second half of Ephesians chapter 5. I wanted to get into 6, but I don't want to run away from it. Okay? So real quick, in Ephesians 5, it says this. It says, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. Oh, crap. Here we go. All right. Now, Pastor Olga, real quick, I just wanted you to speak that, because in, in, in light of what we just said, if, if the husband is the head of the household, if he's the one in, in authority, then then what are these verses ultimately telling me, not just, not just you as the wife, me as the husband, in terms of how I am to treat those that are under my authority, and, and how are those who are under that authority, how are they supposed to respond to that authority? Because I didn't even talk about what Paul told husbands, okay? So please, Pastor Roger, go ahead, go ahead and enlighten us a little bit about Ephesians 5. Well, I mean, it just, in Ephesians 5, it talks about how husbands are to love their wives like Jesus loves the church. And then wives were supposed to submit. And to me, it's always like, the man has the harder job. Um, you know, he's supposed to love like Jesus loves the church. That means like unconditionally, wholeheartedly, sacrificing everything. Dang. And it's almost like you're submitting yourself to the entire church because you're, you, just like Jesus gave his life, whereas the husband's supposed to give his life as well. So to me, that reflects what Jesus did for us, which is way harder than us just submitting to our husbands and following his leadership and you know, submitting. I know that we've always talked to couples and we've talked, told them that, you know, submitting to your husband looks like a lot of different things. You know, it looks like sometimes, you know, when we're trying to make a decision, you're like, Olga, you decide. And so that's me submitting as well. That's me submitting to his, you know, telling me to decide things or whatever. So Olga, decide what we're going to eat. (laughs) It takes forever. Yeah, absolutely. But yes, but but, but you submitted to my decision yeah. to let you pick. Yeah. 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 And another thing is, like, I feel like that's protection as well because, Amen. you know, sometimes we, don't, we make a decision and you're like, you, you decide. And if it goes wrong, it's not my fault because he told me to decide. So in the end, like I said, his job is harder. His job is a protect, you know, like the husband is, is the protector, just like Jesus does for us. And right. so that's a beautiful reflection of God's love. So I have opened up an entire Pandora's box I don't have time to get into in terms of wives submitting to husbands and... And husbands, and husbands loving your wives as Christ loved the church yeah. and gave himself for. Okay. Uh, yes, sir. You want to speak to that, sir? I just want to say something real yeah. quick. Um, so nowadays, you know, like the modern, this, the society today, I'm, they pretty, they wouldn't understand this, you know. Sure. And I just feel like this needs to be touched on a little more. So that's all I'm going to say. Absolutely, sir. <laughs> and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Pastor Bethel and Miss Vitti go ahead and create an entire series on Ephesians 5. Okay. <laughs> In terms, of, uh, in terms of how to lay this out. And, 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 I, and I say that with all respect, but Pastor Bethlehem's video also handle all of our premarital counseling uh, when, it comes to, amen, when, it, when it comes to even counseling couples. And so they have probably better insight than, than really anyone else um, that, that we, in the house. I'm not saying you don't have great insight. I'm just saying they do this on a consistent basis. And so my encouragement uh, is, and Susan, I'll get to you in just a moment. My encouragement is this, okay? Don't look at these verses and just disregard them, okay? Because every time we do that, everything goes upside down. Every time we decide I'm not going to submit to my husband or I'm not going to love my wife the way Christ loved the church, everything gets upside down. And then you wonder, why, do we, why are we so mad at each other? Why, are we, why do we want to beat each other up? Why, why can't we stand each other? Why are we sleeping in different rooms? Okay? Why are we holding grudges? Maybe because things are upside down. Yeah. And so it's just my encouragement to, to not just act like I, I believe the Word of God, but to act on what you believe and watch what God does for your household. Sister Nancy, please. Well, I have to admit, I would have always been very independent and (laughs) it's very hard (laughs) 
sure. to submit. Sure. <laughs> because I have always ran the show. You know, I was a single mom. And so when you're that, you just take on that, you know, that sure. role. And, you know, you go for it, really. <laughs> and so you come, become very independent. So sure. after 40-some years later. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Amen, Rev. Amen. I, you know, you, it's something I've had to learn. So Yes, ma'am. Yeah, to submit and 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 thank you for your honesty, Sister Nancy, because I think for some of us we're still learning that. Okay, we are still learning what that means to apply that verse to our marriages because independence is not what Scripture calls us to at all. Okay, in fact, the whole the whole reason we read Ephesians is that it talks about the unity that we need, how we need each other. I'm going to talk about it here in just in just a moment, but but Sister Nancy, you hit something on the head that this generation—that's all we really know—that we have to be independent. Because we haven't had the best examples. Because, we, because we've had to take care of things on our own. And it's still, it's upside down when it concerns Scripture. Edith, did you want to add to that? I saw you had your hand up. Okay, okay. Yes, ma'am. No, no, you have something? Yeah, please go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I want to say something really quick. It's, yeah. uh, from my experience, for me and my wife, it's easier for her to submit to me when I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. There you go. There you go. Michael, say that one more time for everybody in the house. Oh, see, I, I guess it's not just my experience. I guess so, um, as Scripture says... Husbands submit, wives submit to your husbands, yeah. husbands love your wives, and it's easier for the wives to submit when the husbands love their wife. So Absolutely, when, when the husband's acting like Jesus. Yeah. I, I hear that. Sister Nancy was saying, yeah. Yeah, like Sister Nancy said, I too had to be that, right, yeah. at one point. And then when someone else came along and I was shown something completely different. Right. Someone who was a provider, a protector. It was hard at first, but you have to learn. Yeah. yeah. And then, but knowing you have that person there and feeling comfortable, you are able to let down those walls and Amen. then submit Amen. the way you should. Amen. Or the way they say you should. Right? Hey, biblically, yeah. amen. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that, ma'am. So uh, again, this is, and this is, I, I say this with all the respect I know how, okay? For those of us who are in situations where we have been married a long time, okay, and we're still learning this passage, okay? Pray, praise God for grace that we can still learn it. For those who are in, in situations like Edith was where you're in a relationship that you're not necessarily married yet, you're not then some, you're not yet submitting to the head of your household until that person becomes your husband. Then in that sense, okay, now things are shifting in a more biblical direction because we're doing it God's way. We're honoring God's design. And so uh, I get it because I feel the tension in the room, so I'm going to move on. But, <laughs> but, but I want to encourage this, ladies and gentlemen. If you are a wife, you are a godly wife, and your husband is not acting the way Christ should, okay, honor the Word of God. Honor the Word of God. Just like you have a parent that, that is not honorable, Honor the word of God and submit to your husband as unto the Lord. That's what it says. Not just submit to your husband, period, as unto the Lord. And on the flip side of that, if we have husbands that are trying to love your wife as Christ loved the church and she is nothing but a constant thorn in your flesh and a nag and she herself will not submit, okay, it is not on you to, to be the strong hand to, to force her into submission. It is on you to show her the love of Christ, and ultimately, just like Christ did for all of us, the reason you bowed your knee to Jesus is because you saw his sacrificial love for you and you wanted to now surrender your life to him. Amen? Amen. So I, I'm just trying to encourage this from a biblical perspective. Are we good with that? Any thoughts or questions on that? I'm trying to ease the tension now in the room. 
uh, praise the Lord. Who knows? Maybe tonight people will go home and, and love each other uh, uh, the way we're biblically supposed to. We'll find out, won't we? All right. Amen. Moving on here, moving on, just because uh, the whole reason I brought, uh, brought this up is because what we're getting ready to read next, okay? Because it almost seems like Paul has just completely flipped the script on us. And we're talking about relationships within parenting and relationships within marriages and, and even relationships between slaves and masters. Or again, I guess a more modern, I don't want to call it an interpretation, but at least a modern understanding between you and someone in a position of authority. We're talking about all these relationships. And then look at verse 10 with me because this almost seems to come out of nowhere. Finally, my brothers, my sisters, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor, the full armor of God, so that you may be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil, all of Satan's schemes, all of his, all of his wiles, all of his plans. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, uh, but, are, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Verse 14, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness or, or the breastplate of righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, the gospel, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18 says this, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Let me just real quick, let me just close with 19 and 20. And pray for me. Ask God to give me the right word so I can boldly explain God's mysteries, uh, his mysterious plan to the, uh, that it, the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. And, so wait a second. We're talking about relationships nonstop. And then he just, again, almost like out of nowhere, starts talking about the full armor of God. Okay, wait, why would he be talking about relationships at work and at home and, and, and with people in authority? And then out of nowhere, start talking about the armor of God? Maybe, just maybe, because the places we need the full armor of God the most are in our relationships with people at home and people at work and people in authority. Maybe that's when I need to put on the full armor of God. I want you to consider a couple of things. Okay. And, uh, and maybe, uh, let me propose this question to those in the room. Uh, what comes to mind, or what, what emotions kind of get stirred up and, and evoked within you when you hear the phrase spiritual warfare? When you hear that phrase spiritual warfare, what, what kind of comes to mind? What, what do you feel? What do you think? Anyone at all? Talk to me. Yes, sir, Brad. Yeah, talk to me. Alertness. Okay, staying aware. Staying sober, like, like Peter taught us. Okay? Amen. What else? What are, what are, the, what are the feelings? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. You got an explanation for us. Thank you, ma'am. Yes. Uh, so as a worship leader, it's something that it's like I'm constantly aware of. Um, just because something that you taught a couple years ago to us that when you're a worship leader, in the sense of spiritual warfare, the worship leaders are the people on the front lines. And those are the people leading, fighting your battles for you. Absolutely. Amen. And what a worship team does every week, whether you realize it or not, is they're fighting spiritual powers, uh, spiritual forces on our behalf so that we can find a place of breakthrough. And, and, and you felt it Sunday, right, where things begin to shift because the, they're leading the way. They're fighting that battle. And then we join in 
And then all of a sudden, things begin to shift in an awesome way. Now God is moving powerfully, personally, because they're, you send Judah first, was the old, what the old song said. Send the tribe of Judah, the praisers. Send them first, and God will begin to work the victory for us. Amen. Thank you. Someone else have, have some thoughts? What, what, what emotions or what thoughts get evoked when you, or, uh, you know, when you hear the term spiritual warfare? Well, it, to me, and, and it is, is demons, angels going to war with each other. We don't see it. Um, sometimes God does give us the ability to see. I, 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 um, the night, the morning I was getting married, um, God just showed me this big battle that was going on. And yeah. how, you know, the tugging and, like, I'm in the middle. It's like, which side am I going to pick on? That's pretty much what I'm saying. Like, which side are you going to go on? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. A- a- amen. I mean, whether we realize it or not, we're constantly in spiritual warfare. And, uh, and, and God made you aware at that point, Michael, but we're, we're constantly going through it. Maybe it's not to that same extreme, but we're constantly going through the spiritual warfare. Did I see you? Yes, ma'am. Keith, how you doing, man? Good to see you. What, what, what kind of gets stirred up in you? What, what thoughts kind of come to your mind when you, when you hear Having that Having to constantly be reminded that I'm not, like, against my brother or my sister. That it's more of, like having to remember that my duty is to show them love, not to, like, fight them, but to pray for them because they don't realize sometimes what they're doing Preaches. is, you know, causing a chaos. Like, just praying for everybody's situation and staying strong, and like you said, putting on that armor. Yes, ma'am. Well said. Wow. You're kind of jumping the gun on here, Kita, but you're exactly right. It's spiritual warfare. Ah, okay, yeah, absolutely. Any other thoughts that come to mind? Because... She's hitting out the nail on the head there. Any other thoughts at all? Spiritual warfare. Yeah, Rev. Talk to me, sir. Pastor Olga's getting her steps in today, y'all. <laughs> Dr. Shambach said the battle's not yours. It's God's battle. If you submit yourself on the God, seek first the kingdom of God, and all the other things will be added to you, and God will fight your battles for you. So you really don't have to fight them. If you've got the armor of God on, God's going to fight them for you. Ooh, come on, preacher. Rev's a preacher, y'all. That's why I call him Rev. So, Rev, you're exactly right. I'm going to get into that in just a moment because uh, I, I love where we're going with this. I, I typically, baby Christians, when they hear the term spiritual warfare, I, I, and they start thinking of demons and angels, and, and there tends to be more emotions of fear and, and curiosity and uh, and. Ooh, What's going to happen? What, what is going on? What do you mean there's a warfare happening around me that I cannot see with my physical eye? What is going on? Paul is just wanting us to be aware in our marriages, in our, in our work environments, in our relationships as, as parents and children. Spiritual warfare is happening around us constantly. And we think we're just, we're just mad because they left the toilet seat up. Or, or, or because they put the toilet paper on the wrong way. Come on, somebody, right? Uh, they, don't put, they, don't, they, they pull out the, the, the cereal and the milk, and they leave everything on the table, and they don't put it back, and then the milk goes bad. Like, what the heck? Yeah, there's more happening than just that. Pastor Olga, thank you. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm trying to, 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 trying to stay alert to everything going on. Um, they're, they're saying online, uh, it's a war we fight spiritually on the surface. Ab- absolutely. It, those are the things that get, get stirred up. Um, Danette is honest, okay? When we pray, there's spiritual warfare happening. Absolutely. Just knowing that my prayer life is how I, partly how I combat okay, what is happening in the spirit. Instead of yelling and, and cussing people out and physically wanting to get in these stupid altercations, okay, realizing that my warfare is spiritual. Um, let me, let me kind of uh, elaborate on this, and I, I want to get some, some thoughts on this. Look at verse 10 again with me. 
And finally, my brothers, my sisters, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Rev was just saying this. Okay. Everyone hear me. God wants you to be strong. Okay, but I want you to see how he wants you to be strong. In the power of the Lord. Be, be, be strong. In, not, in, not be strong. That's not what it says. Okay? Modern understanding is I have to be strong. I have, I'm going through situations I've got to be strong. I, I, uh, we hear these songs talk about uh, I've got to be strong. That is not what he's saying. He's saying be strong in the Lord. That means I can have strength when I have this active continuous connection with Jesus Christ, the Lord, I can be strong. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's trying to show us that the reason we're so weak all the time is because we think we have to do it of our own. And instead, that strength comes from being connected to Jesus. Now, I just want to put this forward. How does that differ from self-effort? When I say be strong, as opposed to be strong in the Lord. How does that differ from just, okay, I got to do this on my own. Any, any thoughts on that at all? Yes, ma'am. Miss Vitti, talk to me. She don't mind right now. She'll let me have it on the way home. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it really being strong on our own really is finding ways, you know, whether it's psychologically, physically, mm-hmm. solutions that are humanly possible to right. do that will have an effect. And really, that can go so far. But just like what you were asking earlier, um, being in a spiritual war, spiritual warfare is really like an unseen world yeah. that it's not tangible. It, it has an, an effect in the natural, mm-hmm. but it's an unseen world. Therefore, yes. we need, the Bible tells us that God is spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth so if we're gonna get a uh, god strength be strong in the lord we must be connected just you know to the source of the that spiritual power that goes beyond what the natural can do so i could have like all the positivity that i can find you know you can like a self page and and get all the good thoughts for the day but that will carry you so far. The inside of God and His Spirit gives us a strength that goes beyond what we could gain from human wisdom. So I, I'm telling that to myself. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> Can we like, like chop out that little, cut that section out what Ms. Vitti just said right there, just kind of post that everywhere? Because that's exactly right. Okay. The, the modern era, modern generation is all about self-help. Scripture is all about, I need God's help. Okay. <laughs> and, and that's how I can overcome. Okay. I don't overcome uh, just by the word of my testimony. I overcome by the blood of the lamb first. Okay. And so, Ms. Vita, you are spot on with what you are saying. I think that too many times we, we hear so much in, in this modern humanism that tells us that all the things that we have to do to, to better ourselves or, or to encourage ourselves. And, and David, when, when 600 men wanted to kill him, okay, he encouraged himself in the Lord. Okay? He learned something that I, I pray that we will, we will begin to grasp in these last days. I, I, I can't be strong of my own. I need the Spirit of God to help me. Right? And then it comes to what Keita said. Look at verse 12. For our warfare, our struggle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the number one requirement to be effective in spiritual warfare. Okay? 
You are not fighting your husband or your wife. You are not fighting your boss or your co-workers. You are not fighting your neighbors. You are not fighting Democrats or Republicans. You are, you're not even fighting fellow Christians. Your warfare is against demonic powers in heavenly places. And they, they're the ones always trying to sidetrack your fight and stop making about fighting them and start making about fighting each other. This is why we got to come to our spiritual senses and realize if, if the people aren't the enemy, then how can I always perceive the battle as it's a person rather than perceiving the battle as this is spiritual, okay? There is something happening here. Listen, listen to me. We, those who like to fight, those who have a fighting nature, stop fighting the, the person and start fighting the problem, okay? Get on your knees and fight in prayer, as Ms. Danette was just saying a moment ago, because there's nothing more effective than your prayer life when it comes to combating spiritual things. Yes, ma'am. Joy, you want to speak to that? Kelly Joy in the house. I feel like uh, with the full armor of God, like what you're saying is we have to put the full armor of God on so we can rebuke the devils yeah. and cast out demons. That's, right. That's why we're putting on the full armor of God so that we're ready. Because us Christians, I feel like it's a spiritual warfare. We're getting attacked yeah. at all times when we're in prayer and worship and just Everyday things, we're always getting attacked the most because we're in a spiritual warfare. Like, the devil is against us. So yes, he's, we have to have that full body of armor of God on so we can be ready at all times. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to speak to that in just a moment. Yes, sir. Do you have something to add to that? Okay, yes, sir. Mike's coming to you. Thank you, Pastor Roll. Vanna White in the house, everybody. Amen. Yeah, so going off what she was just saying is that, like, it's around us all the time, spiritual yes. warfare is. And I think that we've become so desensitized to it that we don't necessarily perceive it as spiritual warfare anymore. That's why we do perceive it as people or things like that is because we're so desensitized to the fact that Ooh. these are demons and that these, this is actually spiritual warfare going on. Well said, sir. I mean, one of Satan's greatest tactics is always just to make us believe he's not there. <laughs> it, it, this, that's why Jesus calls him the father of lies. All right? He knows how to, to deceive us in such a way that I think it's my husband or my wife or my, my boss or whatever it might be, or the, the, the guy who walks the dog that never cleans up the crap afterwards, right? It's just like, that, is that really the problem here at the end of the day? Maybe, or maybe not. Maybe, maybe I have been so desensitized to the spirit realm that I'm just pointing the finger at what I can see. So, yes, Sister Nancy. Yes, ma'am. And I think, oh, and I think <laughs> yeah. when we don't have that spirit or that armor on, mm. we tend to do it ourselves. Ooh. And that's where the enemy comes to wear us out and to destroy us. Preach, sister. Amen. Amen. Kind of, let's, get that, let's get that clip right there and, and piggyback on what Ms. Vitti said just a minute ago, because amen to that. Yes, sir. Because the battles in the mind, Satan wants to control your mind to desensitize you to all these things. So that's why the Bible says to let this mind be in you, there you go. which is also in Christ. Amen. A amen, Rev. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, Pastor Olga's on the run right now. Let's go. Okay. All right, so it keeps on saying full armor of God. Uh -huh. Not partial armor, not uh -huh. some armor. It's like a football player. If he doesn't have all his pads, all of everything that he needs, missing a helmet, you're going to get hurt. Did you play football? No. Okay. Anybody play football in, in the house? Anybody? Did you ever play without your helmet? No, sir. They'd be dumb. Right. Right? Yeah, but keep going, sir. So, um, so your strongest shield right there next to is your Bible. Sword. 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 Yes, sir. sword, yes, sir. Absolutely. You call it a sword, a shield, whatever you need it to be. If you don't have it, you don't you have your full armor. There you go, sir. A amen. 
So let me, let me, let me stop right there and let me just kind of just run with this real quick. Since Eric, since you already opened the door for this, let me run with this, okay? The full armor of God, when you look at it, it's almost entirely defensive. All right, think about it. All right, you've got, you've got every one of these pieces of armor that are, are meant for our protection. And not just from Satan, from ourselves, Okay. Because I, I can be a bigger problem to myself than Satan ever is, okay? Uh, in fact, I, I cause myself to, to, to mess up far more than Satan ever does. I, I, it's me. And so I need this for protection, not just from the enemy, but from myself. And I want you to think about it. There it goes again. There goes the lights again. I feel like the prince of the power of the air wants us to, to walk in darkness. But devil, you know I'm going to preach the truth because the truth is light, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep talking until somebody hits that button right over there. Thank you, Michael. Michael, you want to hit that button for me, sir? Thank you. Thank you, sir. There we go. We're walking in the light. There we go. Amen. All right. Amen. So, real quick, the belt of truth, okay, it's called the belt of truth. Okay. Why? Because we know that Satan is the father of lies, okay? And, and, and I, forgive me for this analogy, because I know there are children in the room, but what does a belt usually hold up, okay, right? What, what does it protect, okay? Think, think about this in terms of, of how many people are lied to in their sexuality, Okay? And if Satan has deceived this generation in anything, he has deceived their sexuality. Okay? And, and, Jesus, and we know this in the last days, how they won't even, part of the deception of the enemy is they won't even give themselves into marriage. Okay? Marriage won't even, it, it, like, I don't even want anything to do with that because it's a, it's a covenant thing. It's a, it's a godly thing. It's, a, it's an honoring thing. And, and they want nothing to do with that. So in the last days, we will see more and more people refusing to even get married or they'll change the definition of what God said marriage is. And so he says, literally, put truth on like a belt because Satan is a liar, okay? And he's going to try to lie to you about and make you think, I, I can watch pornography or, or I, can, I, can, I can sleep around or I don't, I don't really need the covenant of marriage or what we've seen in terms of my own sexual identity and, 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 and who I am and what's acceptable that, was, that we know according to Scripture is flat out against God's word, okay? And think about this. He says it's the breastplate of righteousness to protect my heart, to protect my soul. Okay? This, this idea of, of being protected here. Okay? The, the center mass. Those of you who know anything about shooting a gun or, or an arrow, you can't always aim for the head. Okay? Aim for center mass. Okay? And, and, and we know this. This is where our heart is. So put righteousness to cover your heart. For what reason? What purpose? Because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17. Do, if someone tells you, just follow your heart. That's going to lead me to hell, bro. What the heck? Don't, don't, no, I can't follow my heart. My heart, my heart is deceitful. It, it wants what it wants. And, and that may not be what God wants. You'll never hear me encourage people to follow their heart. You'll hear, hear me encourage people to follow Jesus. Yeah. But, but we need the breastplate to protect our heart. Then it goes on to say this. Our, our feet. The, the, the gospel of feet, the peace. So, so if I know anything about shoes, shoes kind of help me stand firm. Okay? And I'm standing firm in my position in Christ. Okay? And I, I'm, my feet are fitted with the gospel of peace. So that doesn't mean I'm just I'm standing firm. Because we see the word stand, actually, I think in certain translations, you'll see it four times within this context here. I'm not just standing. I'm also moving. I'm taking the gospel, this gospel of peace, everywhere that I go. And then, and then he goes on to say the shield of faith. To protect against the fiery darts of the enemy. And what are those darts? Doubt and fear and deception. And dare I say, even my feelings. Okay, the enemy's uh, trying to get me always to, to act out of my, my emotions. And so I hold up the shield of faith to quench those fiery darts. And then, and then he says, the, the helmet of salvation to protect my mind. And so Reverend Jerry was just saying this a second ago. 
Instead of, of thinking out of what I feel or thinking out of even my, my information, I put on the mind of Christ. Okay? I let this mind be in me, the same attitude that was in Christ. I, let, I, I take that on. And so I protect my, my thinking. I protect what I know um, by realizing it's, it's been saved. It's been redeemed. It's been bought back. I don't have to think the old way anymore. Okay? The helmet of salvation over my mind. And then finally, uh, what Eric was saying, this is the weapon. It says, and then take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay? Ladies and gentlemen, you do not fight back against Satan with willpower. <laughs> you don't do that. You can't outwill the devil. You don't even fight back with wisdom. Trust me, he's been around for God knows how many thousands of years, okay? You're not going to outsmart Satan. So you don't do it with willpower, and you don't do it with wisdom. You do it with the word. This is how you fight Satan. Jesus was fasting one time for 40 days, and I'm sure he was hungry and exhausted. The Bible tells us Satan shows up to tempt him. And how does Jesus defeat Satan? With the word, okay? Not with wisdom, not with willpower, but with the word. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you that's how you overcome Satan as well. By the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Let me conclude with this, okay? Because when I look at the full armor of God, I, I realize, and man, I, I said this last year and it got me in trouble, Rev. Okay? But I'm going to say it again, right? I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm just always asking for people to cancel me. So here it comes, okay? Yeah. The full armor of God, look at it. Maybe it's incomplete. Maybe it's incomplete. Here come the nasty emails and and text messages and looking online here to see what people are going to say. Here we go. I'm ready. I can, hand, I can take it. Why is it incomplete? Because I have a belt. I have a breastplate. I have a helmet. I've got shoes. I've got a shield. What's covering my back? What's got my backside? Uh, hmm. Hmm. I illustrated this last year. Some of you might remember uh, uh, Testudo. You might remember the, the, the Roman uh, word for t- tortoise, okay, where Roman soldiers, and this is kind of where we get the idea of the full armor of God. Roman soldiers who had this massive shield, right, and, and in forward advancement when they wanted to take territory, Testudo, uh, the captain would call out, and they would all come together, shields up in different places and protected from every single angle when they came together. Oh, my Lord, someone's going to catch this here tonight, okay? Oh, why, did we, why were we talking about marriages and, and families and, 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 and parents honoring uh, and, uh, and not provoking our children and, and slaves and masters and relationships? Why are we talking about these things and then shifting towards spiritual warfare? Maybe, just maybe, Paul is trying to get us to see that this fight is not an individual fight. This fight is not me versus Satan. It's not a one-on-one battle. He says, finally, my brothers, my sisters, I'm talking to all of you. The Romans understood. I'm not going to win this battle alone. But when I come together, there's strength in numbers. So maybe the reason why some of us are losing right now, and I don't mean to get all preachy, but probably the reason I'm losing is because I don't have anybody who's got my back. I don't have anybody to cover the backside. And and, and I have to realize, I've got your back, you've got my back. Ephesians 4 says that how can a person stand alone? How can they win? They'll be defeated when they're attacked. But two standing together can conquer. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why we lose because I'm trying to fight an enemy who's been around for thousands and thousands of years and he's got all this experience and understanding about my human nature and I'm trying to do this alone. But God says in this armor, take on the full armor of God and help the people of God with that full armor. It is not just about me. It's about you and me fighting together, fighting for our marriages, fighting for our children, fighting for our relationships, fighting for what matters in this life, doing it 
together. So here's my last question to everyone in this room. Who are you fighting next to? Who are you fighting next to? Okay. Because uh, maybe just maybe they've got on the majority of the armor. You've got on a piece of the armor. And now we're wondering, why is our marriage constantly coming under attack? Why is our finances constantly coming under attack? Why is our, our relationship with others constantly coming under attack? Because all you've got on is a helmet. <laughs> uh, all, you, all you've got is, is a belt. Okay? All you've got is a shield. But, but the full armor of God and the people of God helping cover my back. That's how we begin to win. And so my encouragement is this, because I need you to know, the reason God gives us the full armor and the reason God gives us the, the people Armor of God, people of God. It's because God expects us to win. Let me say it again. God expects us to win. And he's equipped us with everything we need to have the victory in this life. The full armor and the family of God. Full armor, family. We have what we need to win. So you'll never stand before God and say, man, I, Lord, you let all hell come against me. And, and there was one demonic attack after another. And I, God was always beat me down. And he'll be like, well, I gave you the armor. And I gave you a family. And you rejected both. No wonder Satan was always winning in your life. No wonder he was always winning in your marriage. No wonder he was always winning in your family. No wonder he was always winning at work. I gave you these things to equip you so you could win. And that's how Paul finishes. Okay, look at 18, 19, 20 again. That's how he finishes. He says this, he says, and how am I doing on time? Oh, I got two minutes, y'all. I'm, I'm nailing it. Woo! He says, pray in the spirit at all times. And on every occasion, at all occasions, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Depending on what version you're looking at, he says the word all four different times. Okay? This is, this is not just about my battle. This is about our battle. Pray for each other. Cover my back. And I'll cover yours. And this way, ultimately, when we engage in spiritual warfare, we come out the victors. We come out winners. I got it. I don't, I don't want to sound super spiritual here, ladies and gentlemen, but some of y'all, you come to church, let's just call it, you're just spiritually naked. Okay? You just show up, look at me, look at me. You show up spiritually naked, okay? Okay, you got nothing on your head, nothing covering your chest, nothing covering your, your waist. Okay, you just naked. Okay, and you want the rest of us to do all the fighting for you, all the praying for you, all the believing for you, all the praising and for you. And, and yes, I, I think, Eric, your, your, your point is so spot on. You don't go out to the football field with no pads and no helmet because you're going to get crushed. Okay, you're going to get hurt. And then we want to come to church and we want everyone else to, 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 to be armored up for us. And to do the praying and worshiping and praising and, and preaching for us. My God. You know, the, the only reason I'm still standing to this day is because when the enemy did his worst, I had people who had my back. I had a Pastor Bedo and a Miss Vidi had my back. Stood in place when necessary. I had those of you in this room praying and, and believing. Even though you didn't even know what was going on, you wouldn't give up. You had my back. And I thank God for that because when people stabbed me in the back, you stood there and made sure ain't no one else getting them. <laughs> ain't no one else taking them out. From this, from this biblical standpoint, so that we begin to see this, I'm not just praying because I need something in my life. I'm praying because I am engaged in spiritual warfare for someone else's life. And Paul then says, when you pray for me, cover my back. Pray that God will give me the right words to say so I can do so boldly every time I preach the gospel. 
You know, I've been praying for you all the last three weeks since we've been on this series. I've been praying that God will empower your witness. I've been covering your back in prayer. So when you go to share your faith with someone else, that you do so boldly and with passion. I've been praying. And some of you, you're feeling the effects of those prayers because more than ever, you're sharing your faith. And you you feel bold about it because I'm covering your back in prayer. Because I know the enemy's trying to make you believe you're not good enough, you're not educated enough, you don't have some kind of biblical degree, so how dare you share your faith with anyone else? And I came to remind you that this, this was never about how much education you have. This is just about fulfilling Jesus' command of the Great Commission to preach the gospel everywhere that you go. So I'm praying for you as you go and as you share your faith. And that's why some of you are just like, I can do this. I can share my faith. Because we're praying for one another. We've got each other's back. So i got to wrap this up. Who has your back? Who's fighting for you? Who's covering you in prayer? Whose back are you covering? Who are you fighting for in prayer? Who are you standing with? Who are you believing for? Because, again, this was never meant to be done alone. And if the book of Ephesians has showed us anything, this constant need for unity within the body of Christ. Because Satan's always trying to cause division. We have to fight for the unity. We have to endeavor, is what he said there in Ephesians 4, for the unity of the saints. Now, I'm going to wrap this thing up, but before I do, is there any questions tonight about the, about the armor of God? Any questions about the, the spiritual warfare we're engaged in? Any, any questions about this, this, how Paul kind of brings us all together about our, our families and our marriages and, and even our, our, our work environment and submitting to authority along the way? It's spiritual warfare. It is spiritual warfare. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to touch on a, on, a, on a touchy subject just real quick. If you saw the footage of what happened in Alabama, if you watched it from the multiple angles of what happened, okay, and, and anyone know what I'm talking about? Anyone unaware of what I'm talking about? Okay, you, you're fully aware of what I'm talking about, or you have no idea what I'm talking about? Okay, okay, here's it. Okay. Anyone not aware of what happened? Was it just a couple days ago? Okay. Well, I, I, I don't... Okay, I'll just tell you what I saw, okay, without fully knowing every, every aspect of it all, okay. Um, boat was in the way, shouldn't have been in the way, okay, and those who owned the boat were white, and the, and the dock worker was black, and he, and he basically told them to move the boat, and he was going to do it for them, and it turned into a fight, okay, that's the simplified version. I have no idea what was said. Most of the camera angles don't even catch what was said between these people, but, but one black guy was getting beat up by multiple white people. Now, here was the problem. Okay? There were thousands of other black people, it seemed like, around at that, at that, at that juncture, at that moment. Okay? And, and, and what happened is people started jumping out of the boats. Okay? They started running from the docks. And, they, and, and it turned into just full-on lots of black people beating on these white people. Okay? That's what it turned on to. Now, if we're not careful, we will make this all about race. And I'm sure those, there were some people there who did. I'm sure it was all about race. For, for certain people, and it didn't matter what color you were at that point in time, I'm just going to take a swing. I'm sure, because racism always has a part. Because what happens when we no longer engage in spiritual warfare, we start engaging in physical warfare. And if there's anything that has divided us, it's always been the color of our dust. Okay? I've got no problem calling this out. This is why it cannot be in Christendom. We cannot have any form of racism in Christendom. It doesn't exist if you're part of the body of Christ. It just doesn't exist for us. Okay? It might still be in your heart, but spiritually, it has no place in the body of Christ. And I will combat racism every step of the way till Jesus comes. Because you are telling someone who's made in the image and likeness of God they are, that they are on the same level, that they're not worthy, that they, that they aren't valued as much. You're wrong! And it is the racism, it's the godlessness of your own heart. Okay? But, in that moment, you know what I, I saw in the Spirit? 
I saw what we should do as Christians for each other, okay? This is what I saw as believers. You can take it however you want to. Think, That's a bad analogy, Pastor. Fine. But I love the fact, I don't even know this guy, but I'm going to have his back. And I'm going to run in, and I'm going to fight, and I'm going to defend. I'm going to do everything I can to stop this attack from persisting. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that white people are the devil. I'm not saying that, okay? Okay. In this case, what those white people did should not have happened. Okay? But I love the spiritual implication to know that I can run and have a, someone else's back. Okay. Now, yes, some of them took it way too far, and you might have saw that dude beating on a woman with a chair. For me, that's just like, okay, dude, that's, there's, I'm a man, and, I, and I'm old school. There's no reason to ever hit a woman. Okay, just, that's, that's me. That's me. I'm old school in that way. I got it. Okay, you feel like, well, a woman's stronger than me, so I need to hit her. Fine, okay, that's whatever, but that's not my position. My position was purely this. I saw people come to the defense of someone else. I saw that. And while they... They did it because, of, because it was a physical battle. I need you to see this in the spirit. When I see someone else getting beat down by Satan, my job is not to point the finger and say, well, it's your fault that you're in this position. When I see someone else coming under spiritual attack, it's it not for me just to sit back and say, well, somebody else will have your back. I see somebody going through hell on earth, bless you. I see someone else literally suffering, struggling, uh, getting beat down. In the spirit, I don't just stand off and pray. I will pray. I got your back. I will come in and I will try to defend and I will try to help and I will try to correct and I will ward off the attack of the enemy. Now, forgive me if you hate my analogy, but I'm trying to give you at least a visible one of what I believe that the body of Christ should do. We should run to the aid of our brothers and sisters. Okay? We really should. Really should. And, and whatever happens in the aftermath of this, if it stirs up more racial tension down there, we can combat that in prayer, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? There's been enough racial issues and degradation and, 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 and problems in the South for so long anyway. We don't change it by beating up people of different colors. We, we, we change it by prayer. We change it by having each other's back. And so I want to commend the people of this church, if you're still watching online, and the men and women in this room. I met with a pastor on Tuesday, a black pastor. And he was, he's been visiting different churches in the area. And he wanted you to hear this. He commends you. Because when he walked into this place, he saw something he's been praying for and hoping for. Okay? Walk into a place where there's diversity, but yet unity. Walk into a place where we look different, but yet we love each other. This is what heaven is going to look like, family. And we, we're giving people a jump start on eternity by just what we do together. Okay? So I get it. If you've got a problem with the color of my dust, that's between you and God, and you're wrong. You're wrong. Because it's beautiful no matter what shade it is. Okay? That's not the point. The point is that we begin to see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're praying for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. We have each other's back, part of this family, the, the body of Christ. And it spoke volumes to him. The different churches he's visited in this area, he's just like, man, it's, you, don't, you don't see this just anywhere. You really don't. It's, it's godly. It's supernatural. Um, Pastor Manny Rivera, the, where we're doing our VBS, he was saying this last week. He said he was, he was a gangbanger. He said in, in, in the thug life, you got each other's back. You don't care what color they are. If they're, if they're part of, of, of the same group, part of the, 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 the same gang, yeah. You got, you got their back. And then he comes to church and he's like, what is up with these people in church separating and segregating? And 
They're not having each other's backs. It blew his mind when he was a baby Christian. He couldn't understand it. I'm thankful for you because you are setting a, a godly tone, a godly precedence. You're setting an example for others to come and look on us and say, wow, this is what Sundays and Wednesdays and fellowship between believers should look like. Yeah. Amen. So send whoever will. God, send them. I don't care where they come from. God, send them because we're going to show them what the family of God looks like. I won't just tell them to put the armor on. I'll be part of the family of God so they have both the armor and a family and that's how they'll win. Can I get an amen? Amen. If you can with me right now, I want to pray and I don't want anyone to be sitting alone. So if you see somebody, grab a hand or lay a hand on the shoulder. If you're watching online, uh, thank you. Amen. I'm looking online here. Thank you, Mama Irving. We are God's children. It is a beautiful thing. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, Lucille, I think yep, we love Impact Church. Uh, they are welcoming from the time they walk in to the time they walk out. Amen. Uh, Miss Vidi, it was, uh, this pastor actually commended your husband because you know as soon as he walked in the door, he said, Pastor Beth was there to welcome him and love on him. And, and that blows people's minds when pastors are at the door uh, just, just treating you the way that, uh, that we want to be treated. Okay? And so amen to that. So come on, somebody. Help Pastor Beth. Don't leave him out there. I need him in here sometimes. So hey. Get out there and greet somebody. Make them feel welcome. Amen. We're going to pray for each other. Okay? And whether you know that person really well or not, we're going to have each other's back right now. To everyone watching online, I'm going to have your back. I'm going to ask you to have mine right now. Okay? Because really there's no coverage in the spiritual armor, the full armor of God for the backside. That's because you've got my back and I've got yours. That's my coverage. Us protecting, praying for, fighting for one another. Amen? So, and if you can, let's, uh, just so that we don't fall asleep here, let's stand up. Okay. <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully I'm still on the camera here. Sorry, I just burped in the microphone. Everyone online heard that. Sorry about that. My bad. It happens. Okay, yep. My head's getting cut off. Am I okay? I'm good? Am I good, Justice? I'm good here? Okay. We're going to pray. And we're just going to believe God, okay, that as we engage in this kind of prayer, that we're, we are engaging principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. We're coming against the schemes and the deception and the lies of Satan on behalf of our brother and sister. And I believe that as we're praying that victory is going to begin to happen even in this room. So if you ever question me on a Sunday, why does he always make us grab someone's hand and why does he make us kind of join together? It's because too many of us feel alone anyway. Satan has done his job effectively to isolate us and make us feel like we're alone. So I just always want to give you a visual that you're not. So let's pray right now, whether you, again, you know this person so personally and intimately or whether they might be a bit of a stranger to you. Let's pray for them right now. Heavenly Father, we come together tonight, firstly to say thank you because you are great. You are awesome. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for, for redeeming us. Thank you for also not leaving us alone. Thank you for placing us in a family. So to everyone in this room and everyone watching online, I remind you, you're part of a family. The Bible says this to all who confess Jesus, who believed on his name, you received him. The Bible tells us he gave you the right to be called a child of God. That means you're part of a unit. You're part of a structure. You're part of a family. You are a child of God. Everyone's created by God, but only when you receive Jesus do you become part of the family of God. Now you are a child of God. So together, as a fellow child in this family, I pray for you right now. I've got your back. I cover you right now. And Lord, I pray over everyone in this room and I pray for that person next to you. God, help them. God, strengthen them. God, in, in, the, in, the, in the fight that we are in, help us to see that we have the victory through Christ. God, for wherever we're missing some 
aspect of the armor. Reveal that to us even now. And pray this for your brother and sister. Lord, help them to put on the helmet of salvation. God, help them to put on the breastplate of righteousness. God, help them to, to put on that belt of truth. Help them to put on the gospel of peace as, as the shoes on their feet. God, help them to hold up a shield of faith. Stop whining. Hold up faith. Stop doubting. Hold up faith. Stop, stop letting the enemy beat you down. Let your faith counteract the, the lies and the darts of the enemy. But ultimately, God, we ask that you would begin to give us a hunger. Give my brother, my sister, a hunger for the scriptures, the word of God, because this is how we, how we fight back. Not just how we protect. This is how we fight back. Ladies and gentlemen, we only have one offensive weapon, but this offensive weapon is the most effective kind of weapon, the sword of the Spirit. And with it, we can fight off all the lies and, and half-truths and deception of Satan. So, Lord, give us a hunger for the Scriptures. And along with that, help give us an understanding, not just what we're reading, but how to apply what we're reading to our lives. My brothers and sisters, I pray right now that you armor up, armor up, armor up. But now, now we pray that we'll have each other's backs. I'm not just physically putting a hand on your shoulder or holding your hand. God, show me how to have my brother's back. Show me how to have my sister's back. Show me how to have my, my, my spouse's back. God, show me how to have my siblings back. God, show me how to be there for them. Show me how to help protect them. Show me how to pray for them. God, show me how to, not just to make demands of them, but God, show me how, how to be available to them, God, and cover them. And I thank you, Father. That is, as we put on the full armor and as we cover each other's backs, our, our marriages are going to be stronger. Our, our relationships in, in the body of Christ are going to be greater. God, I, I believe in these last days, Satan is going to double his efforts, so we need to double our efforts and pray for each other more and more. Fight for each other more and more. And not for the victory. We fight from the victory. Because thanks be unto God who always gives us victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Family, it's time to win. It's time to stop whining, and it's time to start winning. Come on, somebody. It's time to start winning. Amen. We call this done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. As we leave this place here tonight, those watching online, I want to encourage you, get somebody's number, okay? uh, just so you can text them. Uh, you can reach out for prayer. I want you to know this VBS wouldn't even be possible if people didn't have my back including Restoration Church, they have our back in this, okay? It's going to be a success because we're fighting together. I'm thankful for that. So as we leave this place tonight, get somebody's number, okay? I don't, I don't mean if you can get a date because most of us are married anyway, right? So, I mean, I mean, get somebody's number so that they can encourage you and you can encourage them and, and, and we can actually apply what we've been reading here tonight, okay? Amen. Any other questions before we close this out? Pastor Rogan, am I missing anything online? Any other thoughts or questions? Okay. Raise the Lord. All right. We serve a great God, and he's given us a great family. Amen. Let's protect what matters to God. You matter to God. I matter to God. Let's protect what matters to God. Amen. Our family, love you. We will see everybody either Friday night, Friday, Saturday. We've got our VBS, and we'll see you Sunday morning. Be praying for us. Have our backs in prayer, okay? We love you. God bless you. Register your kids. Amen. Good night.